Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Felony. Nothing personal word of the day. July 16th, 2020 is felony. Kenny Stills is a National Football League player. You may know Kenny Stills' name because after Colin Kaepernick began to kneel, Kenny Stills joined him, has kneeled in every NFL game that he's been a part of since that time. He played down here in Miami for a while. He has been charged with a felony. Now, what did Kenny Stills do that would make nothing personal as a word of the day? Felony's no joke, right? Everyone remember the movie Stripes with Bill Murray and Harold Ramis and John Candy? Have you ever been convicted of a felony? Convicted? No, but I'm willing to try. It's no joke to be convicted of a felony. It's no joke to be charged with a felony. For the rest of your career, when you fill out applications, you have to disclose that you've been charged with the felony. Now, what did Kenny Stills do? He, along with 86 other people, was arrested for protesting on the lawn of the Attorney General in Louisville, Kentucky. Why was he in Louisville, Kentucky? Because Kenny Stills has been devoting much of his time off the field, trying to bring justice for the family of Breonna Taylor, trying to raise awareness to the fact that none of the police in the Breonna Taylor murder have been charged at all. That story happened where she was sleeping in her bed There was a no-knock warrant, which means you don't knock on the door and say, hi, I've got a warrant to search the premises. It was, hey, we're here, and we're already inside your place. There was a shooting, she was asleep, and then she was killed. So what exactly was Kenny Stills charged with? I want to explain it and explain why he was charged with the felony because there's been an outcry and I want to make sure that we can clarify it. The outcry is how can Kenny Stills, and he's gone very public since his arrest, he posted his mugshot, he tried to say what an injustice it is that he's been charged with a felony while the officers who murdered Breonna Taylor have been charged with nothing. But he's mixing apples and oranges for me. There's a law in Kentucky that is on the books. It's law 524.040. It's called intimidating a participant in the legal process. It's a class D felony. The thing about that is it's not normally meant for when someone is protesting on the front lawn of an attorney general, who's basically the head lawyer of a particular state. The misdemeanor charge, which would be more normal for what Kenny Stills did, is criminal trespassing and disorderly conduct. 
if you want to protest, there are ways to protest. You are given a permit for an organized protest. You go in a public area. You cannot go onto, into somebody's house and protest. You can't go onto their property and protest. You can't go into a shop inside and protest. That is not your constitutional right. You have the right to assemble and you have the right to protest, but there are rules. What Kenny Stills did, along with 86 others, is they marched to the attorney general's house. They stood on his lawn and they screamed for him, the attorney general, to bring charges against the police. So the felony of intimidating a participant in the legal process, how would you normally think of that? Well, you think of that in the mob movies when someone in the mob goes up to a lawyer and says, if you continue to represent the people against John Gotti, I'll kill your sister. That's intimidating a participant in legal process. If you go to the judge of a court case and say, I will rip your vocal cords out if you rule against this defendant in one more motion. It's going to a witness and saying, if you testify, you will have cement shoes. That is intimidating a participant in the legal process. In my career, and I finished law school in, back in 1993, passed the New York bar, summer of 93. That's 27 years ago. Granted, I never practiced. I went and started a business and then went to Wall Street and then into baseball, now with you. I've never heard of any state charging someone with this felony at, on behalf of a protest. I had never had it brought to my attention, but it makes perfect sense. That is the felony that they would charge Kenny and the others with because you could argue that's what he was doing. He was intimidating the attorney general saying, I'm not leaving your lawn until you bring charges. Not understanding that there may be no way to prove a case beyond a reasonable doubt. There may be circumstances under which getting a guilty verdict is impossible. Should there be charges filed? In an ideal world, the answer is, of course, yes, because we want to cast blame. When someone dies who should not have died but for the act of another, you want to blame the other. Many times on this show, we talk about mob mentality. We've talked a lot about the social injustice and racism and all of the murdering that happens when, when police have murdered black people for no reason. But that doesn't change the fact that when you are in a position to try to use your celebrity and use your platform isn't it better to use it in a way that you know to be more effective? It's not helping the cause for you to get arrested and charged with a felony. It's not proving a point. It's not changing the likelihood that those officers in Kentucky will be charged. It's not changing the possibility that this will happen again. It's not bringing awareness to what happened in the Breonna Taylor case. 
There are organizations that are sprouting up all over the country. There's longstanding organizations. This has been going on since the civil rights movement and way, way before that. That when you're trying to change people's views or people's understanding of what's right or what's wrong, you have to start at the education level. I've said it 10 times before, nothing personal. I'm going to keep saying it. But why would you put yourself in a position where you're getting negative attention brought to you, where the conversation becomes about the felony that you're charged with instead of talking about what actually happened in the Breonna Taylor case and why charges haven't been brought. Do you think for one minute that the attorney general in Kentucky wouldn't like to bring charges in the Breonna Taylor case? That's their job. When you're an attorney general, your job is to serve justice. Your job is to make justice, not create justice. Your job is to make sure that people are held accountable within the constraints of a rule of law. That's why we don't have anarchy. I think as I move forward and as this world continues to change and it is changing every single day. There are mistakes that people are making, but they're making it for all the right reasons. Kenny Stills has nothing but the most perfect of intentions. There's no question in my mind. And on top of that, there's no question in my mind that he's right to feel the way he feels. But I wish I could sit and talk to him and say, that you being charged with a felony and you going to the front lawn of the Attorney General of Kentucky has not advanced your views or your desires or your wishes or your beliefs even one inch. And now you've got to deal with the fact it's nothing to be proud of. What you should be proud of is if you find a way without breaking any laws, when you find a way to change people's viewpoints, when you find a way to educate people so they don't make the same mistake again. Dwayne Wade is my So You Want to Talk to Samson, and it's the same conversation. I don't know if anyone was paying attention to the news yesterday. Let me tell you a story. So you want to talk to Samson, get into my Instagram at David P. Samson, Twitter at David P. Samson. DM me, ask questions. We'll go through them. We'll answer as many as we can. Thank you. By the way, commercial time. Thank you for listening and watching Nothing Personal. I appreciate you. When you look at the details of today's podcast, you'll see a link. Please, we have a chance to be nominated for podcast of the year in the sports category. If you click the link that is in the uh, on YouTube, there's an arrow next to the episode where if you click the arrow down, it sort of gives you a description of the show. And there's a link that Coca put up that gets you to the podcast of the year awards. You put your email in, you go to the sports category, you toggle down and you vote nothing personal with David Sampson. I appreciate that. You're downloading, you're subscribing, all of it, telling friends about nothing personal. It's working. People are laughing. People liked the snitch call yesterday. Got a lot of feedback on the snitch call. And of course, you can't go wrong with a cow fart joke. So today, so you want to talk to Samson. Dwayne Wade, here's the story of what happened yesterday and it immediately got into my Twitter. I'm on Twitter because it is an absolute addiction. I'm paying attention to what's going on. I'm getting my news. I'm seeing if there's any 
anything I can respond to or anything that catches my interest. I'm thinking about nothing personal and any good topics that I want to talk about that I think you want to hear about. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I see a tweet from Dwayne Wade, which says, at Nick Cannon, which is what you do when you're tweeting and you start with at that person, that's a mention. So that goes right into his or her or their Twitter. At Nick Cannon, we are with you with a fist bump. Keep leading. I was speechless. I've had a chance to meet Dwayne Wade several times. I know what he means to this community, what he does in this community. Dwayne Wade is one of those, to me, he is on the Mount Rushmore of all-time Miami athletes, all-time. I'm putting Wade on there. I'm putting Marino on there. I'm talking all-time, all-time. Rings, multiple rings. I'm looking at that tweet, and I'm thinking, is he siding with Nick Cannon, who just got fired by Viacom CBS because he was promulgating conspiracy theories relating to anti-Semitism, saying things that were clearly anti-Semitic, horrible things, forgetting the fight he's having over his show and the ownership of the name Wild and Out that he's fighting with Viacom CBS. Of course, I must tell you, we are Viacom CBS. Nothing personal. Thank you. I have to say that. And I mean it. So I look at the tweet and I immediately respond by saying his account must have been hacked. Now, you may think that's funny because yesterday there was a bunch of hacks that happened on Twitter. And there was a while when my Twitter was down and then I realized I asked Coca. He must think I can't even imagine what Coca thinks of me on a daily basis having to deal with me every day. But I texted him. I said, hey, I'm trying to send a tweet and I can't send it. Is there am I doing something wrong? And he responded, your Twitter is likely down because my Twitter's down too, he said. And I said, wow, why would both of our Twitters be down at the same time? And he said, well, there's some sort of hack going on and that hack is resulting in all Twitter accounts, I guess, with, with a white check not being able to be tweeting ability. Okay, fine. So I assumed without knowing this in advance that Dwayne Wade had been hacked because there's no way he's tweeting that. There's just no possible way that he would be saying that. So I responded saying, I hope that you've been hacked. I then was told that, no, this was not a hack. I then called Coca and I said, hey, we got a topic for tomorrow and here's why. Because he's now, let me bring you inside Dwayne Wade's house. I said, you got to look at this tweet. He said, I can't find it. I looked, I said, it's not there. Look at my Twitter. It was still there. I took a screenshot of it. Dwayne Wade deleted that tweet within the hour. I don't understand the whole deleted tweet thing. I delete tweets when there's a grammatical mistake or a typo. If I say something that ends up getting ratioed or something that is racist or anti-Semitic or something that is a horrible take or wrong or I've got the wrong information, I'm going to reply tweet and I'm going to correct the grammatical mistake or I'm going to correct the mistake or I'm going to explain further what I'm doing. But deleting a tweet, what does that mean? That means that you didn't think what you thought you thought. That means you didn't mean to tell people you think what you think that you may have thought. Or does it mean you don't want other people to know that you think that what you know is not what you actually thought? There are a lot of reasons, but you can't delete a tweet. Once it's out there in the universe, as Coca likes to say, it's out there forever. So I called him and I said, you know what? 
There's a meeting going on right now. Dwayne Wade has convened the following people. Gabrielle Union, his wife. Three crisis PR people, including one Jew-ish per sin. Telling them, I'm not anti-Semitic. I don't know what to do. What do we do? So the group gets together and I said, Coca, there's going to be a statement. Sure enough, out it comes. I want to clarify my now deleted tweet. Rule number one. What you have now done is you've created people and told people who may not have known about the tweet that they better start searching the intergoogle and figure out what, what, what is he talking about? I want to clarify my now deleted tweet. No, you would say, here is the tweet I sent. I want to clarify it. There are some PR people who would tell you, just bury the story, delete it, forget about it, don't respond, ignore it. Those are not the type of crisis people who live in the social media world. You can't bury it. You can't ignore it. You can't not respond to it. You have to not just clarify it, but then you have to explain why you may have written it in the first place. So his first sentence of his first statement, I want to clarify my now deleted tweet. Eh. I was not supporting or condoning what Nick Cannon specifically said but I had expressed my support of him owning the content and brand he helped create. This is total PR manipulation that is so transparent. Are you with me? So Nick Cannon is in a fight with Viacom CBS over the ownership of his content. So what Dwayne Wade was saying is that he was supporting Nick Cannon in his desire to maintain ownership of his brand. Dwayne, do you have the legal documents? Do you know exactly the contract under which Nick Cannon was operating? That's like supporting Prince in his ownership of his catalog or George Michael, two artists who I love, who are both unfortunately passed away, had terrific arguments with their record company, but they signed the deal. So Dwayne Wade does the first statement and I said, Coca, it's not good enough. I'm tweeting that so you know, because there's going to be another one. Because you cannot leave it at that. All of a sudden, just a little bit later, a second statement. So what's going on in the Dwayne Wade household is that they meet, they come up with this tweet, they send it out, and then they look at each other, they look at the responses, and they say, uh-oh, this has some legs. We're going to need to do more. That didn't work. Meanwhile, Dwayne Wade is pacing back and forth. Gabrielle Union's yelling in the corner. Dwayne Wade can't believe what impact this could have. His agent and manager are losing their mind as they're thinking their 10% of all of the income is in jeopardy. Statement number two. I was too quick to respond without being fully informed about his hurtful anti-Semitic remarks. As you all know, I have zero all caps, tolerance for any hate speech. What in the hell? Oh, the first statement didn't talk about what Nick Cannon said. Hmm. The first statement didn't mention at all that Dwayne Wade is not anti-Semitic and not in favor of people who are anti-Semitic. So now we get to the second statement where he admits he was too quick to respond without being fully informed about his hurtful anti-Semitic remarks. Does that mean that 
He knew that his friend Nick Cannon had been fired by Viacom CBS and didn't know why. Does that mean he didn't take the time before tweeting? I've known a lot of athletes and celebrities who very often do that. I've been guilty of it from time to time where I'll tweet something and I'll have it wrong. I will not have done the proper research and then I get a call from Coca yelling at me. When you've got a platform the way Dwayne Wade does, it is your responsibility to pay attention to the underlying circumstances when you are about to take a stand. It doesn't take a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes cap to have figured out why Nick Cannon got fired correctly so. So we needed, Dwayne Wade did a second statement that he was too quick to respond without being fully informed, and then he's got zero. Never use all caps in a statement. Let the reader decide where the, what's the word, Coca? Presque it's right at the tip of my tongue. What's the word, Coca, when, uh, let the reader decide what's important and what should be accentuated. Thank you. Let the reader decide what the most important part of the statement is. Let the reader decide what should be accentuated. When you tell me what I should be looking at in all caps, I'm tempted to ask, why are you telling me that? You've heard me quote Shakespeare on the show. Methinks thy doth protest too much. As you know, I have zero tolerance for any hate speech. Well, if you have zero tolerance, here's what your third statement needs to be. After taking a day, I now realize the error of my ways. While Nick Cannon is a friend who I've known for many years, I absolutely agree with Viacom CBS. And I hope that my friend Nick Cannon educates himself and understands that the words he said not only are unacceptable, they're hateful, hurtful, and have no place in society. There are too many people who are anti-Semitic. There are too many people who are racist. And it has to stop now. And it stops with me. I was wrong for tweeting my support in any way for Nick Cannon. And as his friend, I have told him this directly prior to any tweet. That would have been a good third statement. This story, I'm afraid to say, is far from over. Well, yesterday was July 15th, 4 p.m. You know what that means. July 15th, 4 p.m. Does anyone know what that means? I mean, it's not that big a deal, right? I mean, is anyone really caring when it gets to be 4 p.m.? I guess 4 p.m. If you're in Wisconsin, that means it's 5 p.m. on the East Coast. So maybe you can start drinking. Although, frankly, at 11 a.m., you can start drinking because it's 5 p.m. somewhere. I once was going to buy a clock that had 5 p.m. all around the dial. So it was always 5 p.m., get it? It's 5 p.m. somewhere. Well, at 4 p.m. yesterday, it was the deadline for NFL players who had been given a franchise tag by his team to either come up with a long-term deal or forever hold your peace. What that means is when you are a player who is in a contract, There are certain players who you can give, like one or two players. Maybe it's one player, Coca. Maybe it's two. I think it's only one. You can do a franchise tag. A franchise tag is what Dak Prescott had, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And he was assigned a salary as a franchise tag player of $31.4 million. It's based on the average of the top earners of the quarterbacks. Yada, yada, yada. Everyone wanted 
the Cowboys to sign Prescott long-term. People who listened to Nothing Personal were very well aware that there was zero chance of him signing a long-term deal. Why is that the case? And the reason it's the case is that Jerry Jones was not going to give Prescott what he wanted in terms of value because there's no possible way to have ascertained what's going to happen going forward with the NFL, with revenue, and it's just too risky and Jerry Jones is too smart. So the Cowboys gave, there's two tags, just in case you really want to learn this. There's two tags Coco wants to tell you. There is an exclusive and a non-exclusive franchise tag. By the way, it would have been helpful. A franchise tag or known as the transition tag is when you retain a player who's set to become an unrestricted free agent. Okay. Thank you, Coca. That is value added producer of the year. You really are Coca. There is no show without you. Have I mentioned that? Have I told people on nothing personal in a while? I, I want to take a minute. I'm going to do a sidetrack here. Sorry, Coca. I know you hate it. So every day Coca has to deal with me and deal with the show and we're putting shows together. We're talking about topics and I can only imagine as a, are you considered a millennial Coca? I think he may be. He's, he's young, but extremely experienced as a producer, really good at what he does. And he's got to deal with me every single day. And while I make fun of the fact that I have to deal with Coca, the truth is he's a pleasure to deal with, you know, moodiness notwithstanding, total social anxiety notwithstanding, total inability to have any interest in any of the things that interest me notwithstanding, totally not ever willing to think that his view is wrong and my view is right notwithstanding, all of those things notwithstanding, not being willing to sit through a 45-minute show without walking around and missing half the show, all of those things notwithstanding, I can't live without you, Cokie. Okay. Back to Prescott. So there's a negotiation that goes on. As with all negotiations, when there's a deadline, it's going to go right up to the deadline. It turns out that the Cowboys wanted Dak to sign for five years with a smaller annual value and a smaller guarantee. Prescott wanted to sign for four years with a higher annual value and a higher guarantee. And obviously, he wanted a shorter-term deal because he wanted them to sign a new deal once the new national TV deals happen in the NFL and hoping that four years from now, COVID will be taken care of and that it will be back to insanity. That's assuming you think that $31.4 million on a one-year deal is not insane to begin with. But I digress. So what does it mean? It means now that at the end of this season, the Cowboys could very well be looking for a new quarterback because Prescott can leave. He can do what Drew Brees and Kirk Cousins did, the other two franchise quarterbacks who had a franchise tag and then went on to sign free agent deals with another team. But little known fact, and I'm not sure Jerry Jones was truly focused on this. If Dak Prescott has only an okay season. And in the free agent market, he doesn't get what he wants. And he wants to stay with the Cowboys. Or the Cowboys want him to stay with them. Dak Prescott is eligible to get a second franchise tag next season for the 2021 year. That franchise tag will be for about $37 million. So it's as though the Cowboys have him for a two-year, $68 million deal. Assuming Prescott would accept the franchise tag. Coca, does the player have to accept the franchise tag? Once you're tagged, you're tagged. You can't say, no, I don't accept that tag, right? You're tagged. So therefore, it is possible that a player could get tagged twice. Coca's telling me he could just sit out. That'd be fine. He wouldn't get it paid his $37 million. You don't get to sit out and then get nothing. 
and then get paid. What happens, though, if next year the salary cap actually goes down, which is what we've told you on Nothing Personal is going to happen? The salary cap will go down next season, mark my words. Revenue will be down, and that is part of the formula that sets the salary cap. But the franchise tag doesn't change. So the math could be in theory that Dak Prescott at $37 million next year will be like the equivalent of him getting one year $50 million at this current salary cap. How do you build a team around that? The Cowboys could have totally screwed themselves and they may not be able to franchise tag Prescott next year. And Prescott may know that. And that may have been another incentive for him to say, I'm not willing to sign your five-year deal. Jerry Jones may have gambled. Now, there's also a gamble on behalf of Prescott. When you're offered guaranteed money in football, my suggestion, take it. Because you don't know what the next play. You could be Theismann. And that's it. Game over. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes down. But the Dak Prescott, Dallas Cowboy soap opera is far from over. After the break, we're going to talk about Charlize. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back. Anyone seen Mad Max? Anyone seen Bombshell? How about the Academy Award turn in Monster? I'm talking about Charlize Theron, who is one of the best most beautiful actors in all of Hollywood. She's become a little like Scarlett Johansson in that she's now, out of nowhere, an action hero. I think Mad Max may have done a lot to convince her of that. Well, a new movie is out on Netflix, and it's called Old Guard. Old Guard is with Charlize Theron and the guy who is in a movie called Far From the Matting Crowd with 
uh, oh God, Coca. I just had a complete blank. This great actress who was also in Gatsby and she's the star of Far From the Matting Crowd and he stars, he's French. Matthias, uh, he's, he lives in Antwerp right now. His name is Matthias. Sorry, sorry, Matthias. I don't know. Schoen, Schoenertz. Schoenertz. Anyway, Old Guard, let me tell you what it's about. I watched it. It is a straight action movie. Carrie Mulligan. Thank you, Coca. Slightly late, but that's what happens. Old Guard is about a, uh, it's an interesting concept of a movie. Here's the story. They're immortal. There's a group of people who never die. You cannot kill them. When you try to kill them, they live. So you shoot them and all of a sudden they heal. It's sort of like they're Terminators in a way where they regenerate. And what their job is, is to basically safeguard the world. But not just for the last hundred years, for the last multiple centuries. And this is a story about the group of the old guard and how people try to capture them, like Eugene Levy's trying to capture Daryl Hannah and Splash to study mermaids. Maybe he's doing it for a good reason, but maybe he's doing it to become famous. But there are people, maybe he's doing it to make money. There's people trying to capture the old guard all the time. That's, get it, they're old, old guard. They're guarding mankind, society, humankind, I guess is the way we say it. Is mankind not a word that we use anymore, Coca? I just realized. You know, I've never heard womankind, or I think, or people kind. I think it's just humankind now. So they're protecting humankind. And there are people trying to capitalize and make money off these people, and they're trying to capture them. There is nonstop action. The dialogue is decent. Put it this way. I'm not a huge John Wick guy, even though I know it's Coca's favorite. I love the movies. They're entertaining, but I don't love them for the script. Old Guard is very similar. I don't love it for the script. The story is more interesting than the Wick stories. It is full action. Seeing Charlize Theron and what she does and how she operates, she just exudes power and strength and beauty and just, it's perfection. Old Guard for me is nothing more than a three star. I would call it a plain movie back in my day, but it's not really a plain movie because it's hard for anyone to travel anymore. So I would just say this, if you have nothing to watch and you're looking for an hour and a half escape, two hours maybe, you got old guard. Thanks for making it, Charlize. Okay. Who watched NASCAR last night? NASCAR had, I think, 20,000 fans. They were supposed to maybe have 30,000 fans. They were in Tennessee at the Bristol Motor Speedway. And I've gotten a lot of questions today whether or not this means that fans will now be allowed in venues. Is this the beginning of the return to normalcy? What is the significance of NASCAR having fans and what does it mean? Well, yesterday the rule was very simple. The rule has always been that leagues are going to follow state City, state, local, federal guidelines. We know there aren't any federal guidelines coming. So therefore, it's down to the state, local, city, county in terms of gatherings. Will there be exceptions? If I'm a sports team, I am trying to get an exception because I want fans in the ballpark. MLB has said, if they're going to let fans in the ballpark, we may allow our teams to have fans. Football saying the same thing. The Boston Red Sox have begun 
to build dugouts in their very expensive seats next to the existing dugouts because of the social distancing, health and safety protocols in baseball. NFL's announced the first eight rows are by definition off limits. I guess a droplet can't go more than eight rows. Maybe the rules will be no chanting, no screaming, no cheering because that impacts the spread. Maybe the rules will be everyone has to wear a mask. Maybe the seating will be in groups of two and four. You have to sit with who you're with. The concession stands may be closed. All sorts of possibilities exist. It's a bit of a moral dilemma that I would have as president of a team. Let's take Florida as an example. Florida is an absolute petri dish of disease-infected, virus-infected people. No end in sight. People dying at a record pace, people being hospitalized, even though we can't get real stats anymore. So I actually have no idea what the number is. You saw Coca's tweet at Matthew Coca CBS. He tweeted, by the way, why aren't you at Matthew Coca CBS NP? NP? Anyway, so he got tested days and days ago because he was sick. Luckily, it doesn't travel the way faxes do through fax lines. So I'm not sick. I'm knocking on my bathroom. Do you know this thing that you see on YouTube? If you're watching this on YouTube, I appreciate it. But if you are, when, when we had to create a studio, when we left CBS in a hurry after we had to, um, this is a bathroom uh, um, cabinet, a bathroom supply holder. And the microphone that I talked to, this is no joke. It rests. I don't know if you can hear me. Hold on. Wait for it. It rests on bathroom garbage bags. That's how I can get it to be tall enough to make sure it works. Hold on. Hold on. I'm putting it back. So anyway, I won't tell you what's in the second and third drawer because I didn't need to. Can't land this plane, Coca. I admit it. Can't do it. Have no idea what I was talking about. Hold on. I'm sweating. Hold on. I'm putting my fan on. I bought a fan for this very reason. When I can't land the plane, I I start schwitzing just a little bit. What were we talking about, Coca? Oh, the disaster that is in Florida and fire president of the team. Thank you. Got it. Hold on. Let me wipe the glisten off my non-makeup forehead. So Florida is full of people who have coronavirus. But if I have a chance to have people in the building, who are willing to pay money, who are coronavirus truthers or coronavirus hoaxers, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do everything I can to keep them safe. I'm going to make sure the players are safe. We're going to make sure they're not near the players. It's going to be very different the way we arrange ingress and egress. But I've got to find a way to increase revenue. I have no choice but to do it. It's not even a moral and ethical dilemma. This is my job. When you run a football team or a basketball team, well, they're in a bubble, a baseball team, and you have a chance because your local government is so shoddy and so inconsistent and so patently ridiculous that they're going to allow you to do something, I'm going to do it. Now, does that mean that I'm not an ethical person and that I have no morals or that I don't care about the health of people? No, I'm going to put big signs just like I do. Watch out for foul balls. Watch out for broken bats. Big signs. You may get COVID. Big signs. If you don't wear a mask, you can't come in. Wait a minute. Is that going to hurt my attendance? Because the people who would come to games, aren't those the very people who don't want to wear masks to begin with? 
So if I have a rule that says you have to wear a mask, oh, I know what to do. You have a mask, but you don't enforce it. Once they walk in the door, if they pull up below their nose, that's their problem, not mine. Oh, I can get around any rule possible. Does that make me a bad guy? No, I'm in business. It's my job. It is up to the government or the commissioner's office to tell me if they don't want me to make as much money as I can possibly make in revenue. Believe me, it's not going to be a profit situation. No matter what, each team will have a loss, every sports team. You're getting announcements that are bleeding out like this death by a thousand cuts, ripping the Band-Aid off one hair at a time. Coca, stop saying disaster. I got it already. You can delete that. He deletes everything from the document that he puts, but he's kept disaster in big letters right in front of me. So you can do this death by a thousand cuts. Green Bay announced today, no fans for preseason games, no family day, no tailgating. All You can have Michigan come out and say that if we have a 2020 football season, we're lowering capacity. They said if, by the way. Do you know the difference between if and when? Okay, here it is. When you say, if UM is able to have a 2020 football season, that means that you believe that there will not be a college football season. If you say when UM has its 2020 football season, meaning it could be delayed, we don't know what's going to happen. They said if. In their ticket policy in Michigan, they said the capacity of the big house with 110,000 people is down. They said no sales to the general public. We're going to do it game by game only. Students plus currencies and ticket holders. We're going to reassign spaces. I'm not saying this is because college football is going to happen. I'm not saying there will be any fans allowed by the Big Ten or the Pac-15 or the SEC4. I'm not saying any of those things are true. What I'm saying is that teams, colleges, universities, given a choice, will always choose revenue. So the announcement, I think the Jets also announced or the Dolphins announced today something. The Dolphins said no tailgating at all through 2020. No tailgating. I don't get that. If you're going to have fans in the ballpark, why not just lower the number of cars? Why not have a tailgating zone and ensure social distancing and make sure there's six feet? You're coming with a group of people. In theory, you're sitting with that same group of people. What's the difference? Tailgating is what's fun. But no, no tailgating. But you can still come to the game because we want your ticket revenue. So we're hearing all these pieces of news every other minute. There's going to have to be a uniform policy. I got a quick update. We talked about Elena Della Don yesterday. Remember the WNBA player? She's the NBA player uh, who has Lyme disease in 2008. She takes 64 pills a day. I know you remember her. Quick update. She said she had to choose between whether or not she would opt out because of Lyme disease, even though her doctor said she shouldn't play, but the doctors from the union and from the league said she could, and she's not high risk. So she said, do I opt out and not get paid or risk my life and play and get paid. I've got a family. She said she'd have to talk it over with her wife. Yada, yada. News comes out today. Maybe it was yesterday. Ted Leonsis is the owner of the Washington WNBA team. I think they're called the Washington Mystics. He also owns the Wizards. Came out and said, I don't really understand what Elena was talking about because she's on the roster. And even if she can't play because of the back surgery she had, we're still going to pay her. So Elena is getting paid. 
even if she doesn't play. They're talking about how to rehab her back right now, and they're doing it under the auspices of the back injury. But the fact of the matter is that Elena can now not play the entire season, and she will still get paid. That's a good update, and I'm happy that she now has that choice. Today is day 123 of the ML Beard Challenge. We are so close. A week from today is July 23rd. First pitch is 7.08 p.m. Eastern. Coca and I will be at Heads Up Barbershop if Coca can get a negative test by then. If not, he's not going to be there, but I will. And I will be getting this beard taken off that Coca and I have been growing for 123 days. We said we would not shave until there's MLB first pitch. I don't care if the game gets rained out in the second inning. I don't care if baseball gets canceled after one inning. Of course, I care. That'll be very upsetting, but I'll still get to shave. I have great respect for all the bearded wonders out there. I have no idea what my face is going to look like. I actually used oil. I used like beard oil and and oil on the, the beard to try to, I don't know why. I just did, and then it felt greasy, and then I was upset. Okay, wait to see. Wait to see. I got one for you. The Major League Baseball Players Association will file a grievance against Major League Baseball over Major League Baseball's instituting and imposing a 60-game schedule. They will file a grievance. But wait to see. Not only will they follow it, but also it will never get to a hearing. Why am I even talking about this? When all the talk of the grievance should be in the past because the rumor yesterday is the Major League Baseball Players Association is looking into hiring a lawyer named Jeff Kessler to represent them in a grievance against MLB. Woo! That's supposed to be scary because he's a big-time lawyer who's gone against all the big, bad sports corporations and brought justice to players and to the little person who always gets screwed Well, I went against Jeff Kessler and I kicked his ass. I can't say I. We. We. There were a big group of us. Shout out to Proskauer Rose. Yeah. We had you, Jeff. Jeff Kessler cross-examined me on the stand. It was so annoying that I can hardly tell you this was a case 15 years ago involving partners, limited partners in Canada when I was with the Expos. And he didn't win anything. He won in the most offensive category, trying to intimidate me, trying to make me feel like I was not 5'5", trying to get me to say something, trying to catch me. Well, didn't you say in your deposition that the sky was a bluish tint of gray? And I said, I said the sky is blue and sometimes gray, Jeff. MLB knows all about you, Jeff. So my message to Tony Clark and Bruce Mayer with the union, if you're hiring Jeff Kessler because you think that MLB in any way is going to get scared, nervous, or give you anything extra in a negotiation so you drop your grievance so they don't have to face Jeff Kessler in a grievance hearing, you're picking the wrong guy. But of course you know that. And by the way, I understand why they're going to file the grievance and why it won't go to hearing because they're going to use the specter of the grievance to try to get something from MLB. Why would they do that? You know why. Come on, you know. You know. Because it's business. It's nothing personal, Jeff. 